to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. Are you ready to fucking die, brother? Feels like a good day to me. Feels like a good day to fucking die. I don't know why this is becoming a wrestling promo, because the movie sure isn't like that, but it's time to flatline, baby boy. Oh, shit. I thought we were talking about good day to die hard. I thought we were talking about too old to die young. Man, we got a lot to get to. But yeah, let's let's, let's deal with flatliners for I'm now. I'm glad we stopped that joke before it got carried away. Flatliners. Last week, I don't think I had realized that this was uh, even related to another movie or qualified for our show. You learn new things every day. Flatliners, the one that we're talking about, is a 2017 remake of a 1990 Joel Schumacher movie, perhaps best known for the good Batman movies. Bat credit card. Bat nipples. I think those were both him. I know he's done a lot of other stuff, but I really, I guess that's what we're singling out about Joel Schumacher. Um, oh man, well, I, I love Phone Booth by Joel Schumacher. Take the Phone Booth starring Colin Farrell. That's a sick movie. And 8mm starring Nicolas Cage. That's a creepy movie too. I'm a Joel fan. I'm glad we're getting Joel Schumacher his credit beyond my just terse dismissal of his entire career. And Lost Boys. I mean, I haven't seen Lost sure. Boys, but man, Lost Boys. Really? Lost Boys seems like something that you would be like way, way into. You oh, I know. Have, yeah. You have we've... the look and the vibe of a yeah, guy we, who we, would we... like Lost Boys. We've brought this up on the podcast before where I've it said It remains that true. I'm just a, a, an ashamed not Lost Boys fan. One day. We've got it somewhere on the list, so at some point I'll be forced to. We are not here to talk about Lost Boys. We are not here to talk about Joel Schumacher. We are here to talk about Niels Arden Oplev's film, Flatliners. Liam, before we got into this, let's start at the beginning. Have you ever died? I haven't died. <laughs> I have. Well, you know what, Corey? What? I, I, I was born like mad early, right? And so yeah, I, had me to be, too. I had to be incubated for like months and months me and too, uh, dude hell yeah that's why I'm we're just, co-hosts i'm just saying i don't remember it but maybe my heart stopped i don't know i never asked I, my parents i as an infant was also born very early and almost died hell Corey yeah and i we flatlined it's fucking flatline sick. gang <laughs> that's why that's why that's why you guys love us so much that's why we have such sick opinions is because we've seen the other side why else were my grades so good you may be wondering I've got that uh I've got that Elliot Page genius brain that you only get after flatlining. Why can I solve a Rubik's cube? <laughs> Thank my parents. Why can I stand up to my mom? <laughs> flatline baby. Flatline baby. Um so we've maybe died. That's pretty cool. Had you seen Flatliners, the film about that thing that we did? <laughs> uh, you know what is that tom hanks movie that thing you do is that about flatlining i've never seen that one maybe it is i have to look is that a real movie yeah yeah it's a music movie oh man i thought you made up that title and i was like that's incredible what a really <laughs> good joke <laughs> would it be a good joke if i had made it up i feel it's better because it's factually based anyway we don't we don't got to talk about the merit of just, my jokes you would have seemed like it's two and a half hours wowie uh you would have seemed like a genius just coming up with a funny name like that right away. You know what? It seems like something you would love, Corey. If if Lost Boys is is like my thing that I've never seen, that thing you do is your thing you haven't seen as far as I'm concerned. That's cool. Okay. You know yeah, maybe one night, gotta... Corey. One night, I've got to watch Lost Boys. You've got to watch that thing you do. And we can just we'll... do a podcast about that. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, so... Well, the reason that this 2017 Flatliners is on our list, and it's it's like it was pretty deep on our list. I put this on a little while ago, and uh, that's because I I remember seeing a trailer for 2017's Flatliners in the theater, and I thought it looked so sick. I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was like enthralled by this trailer and the premise it was setting up. And then when it said Flatliners at the end of the trailer, the name kind of rung in my head and it sounded familiar but i didn't know of the original enough to immediately know oh hey this is this is i guess is this is a remake of that old movie <clears throat> and so when i got home i looked it up 
I'm getting choked up. I, I realized, <laughs> and I realized that Flatliners was a, a a movie back in '90 by my boy Joel Schumacher, and I was like, "Hey, I'm a big phone booth fan. Let's let's see what this is all about." So I um, I read the Wikipedia page, not entirely, of course. I, I left the plot out. <laughs> I but skimmed I, the Wikipedia page. I, I did some skimming, and um, I I read that the premise uh, put more clearly, though the the trailer that I saw did hint at this. Um, the the premise was that medical med students are uh, purposefully stopping their hearts. They're flatlining so that they can have a near death experience, kind of see what's on the other side when they're they're heart has stopped working and then they have their uh colleagues bring them back to life and they they talk about what they've seen and uh then they all just kind of get wrapped up in doing this and um i thought that was sick and so i i noted flatliners 1990 as a movie that i really wanted to see because what it was about that 2017 trailer that really interests me was just that premise and so i think when i learned that it was a remake i was less interested in it um especially because the trailer i saw seemed like um it was it was doing the same thing that i was now reading was the premise for the 1991 so you were having a preemptive feeling of been there done that yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so i put joel schumacher's flatliners on my watch list and i got really close one night i even queued it up on like a a bootleg movie site and i didn't end up going through with it maybe i was feeling guilt about the bootleg movie site i don't know (laughs) i didn't watch it and so um like you needed to wire joel schumacher some money yeah yeah and now he's sadly passed away and um i I feel kind of good that i didn't that i didn't do him dirty like that you know but I did. I did torrent phone booth back in the day. So I am sorry to Mister Schumacher <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> On the other side, <laughs> yeah, we don't have a podcast over there. Um, so I, I had 1990 Flatliners. On my watch list, and then this 2017 one still kind of always stuck in my head because it, it it was a remake of this movie that I don't really hear people talking about. I mean, I just discovered it in 2017. Um. And so uh, it it still interested me. And 2017 was also the year I was going to the theater a lot. You know, if something vaguely interested me, um, just based on a a title, I I would just walk across the street to the theater and see it. But when 2017's Flatliners came out, got choked up. My gosh, it was a it was a bad week for me when it came (laughs) out. I logged on to the internet and I saw some reviews about it. Uh, no but people (laughs) people really didn't like this movie all it took was for me to read a few lines and i thought okay i'll i'll wait to see this i mean i haven't even seen the original one yet if i had seen the original then maybe i would have gone out to see how it compared but the fact that i was lagging behind on seeing the schumacher version i was i just thought i'll i'll catch this another time and um now this is that time we we rolled it on the william castle genero and i figured all right, I have uh, I have all that in my mind. I can check out the Schumacher version, which I did. I double featured the two, um, and then I got to this one, and now I have all the answers that I was looking for. So that that's my flatlining experience. I, uh, for contrast, I do not have a flatlining experience beyond my real life one that we previously talked about. Um. I have this weird feeling in the back of my mind that maybe I saw part of this movie on TV one time. Like, this remake or the original? The remake, I should say. I didn't know there was an original. Gotcha. Like, like I thought this was just a movie that came out. Right, um, and and when I thought that, I was way more interested. When I learned oh, that it yeah. was a remake. Well, I yeah. think on paper, the premise is so unique that you would really only want to see it once. Because yeah, you're to like, get, okay, to remake it, you're basically just taking a good idea and doing it again. And yeah, and to get an original movie like that that seemed standalone in, standalone in 2017, I was like, man, this is sick. And yeah, that would have been... Quickly got dissuaded. That would have been cool, and it's not ultimately what happened, but, you know, we press on. Uh, so I might have seen part of it before. Something feels familiar about it. I don't know if maybe that was even just a a trailer that I saw. It's ironic, I guess, that in the back of my mind, I have this feeling that something is familiar about a movie where a bunch of people die, come back to life and then have weird feelings that something feels familiar. Um, But in any case, yeah, I had basically no real 
basis for this going into the viewing. Um, and so I just sort of went in with an open mind, wanted to see what happened. We do a podcast. I guess I had to do that even if I didn't want to. Here we are. Cool. Well, glad to be here, man. Glad to glad to embark on this journey with you. Yeah. Flatlining journey. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the movie is directed by Niels Arden Oplev, who I guess perhaps most notably did the 2009 The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie. Two writers credits. One of them is for the story because of the original movie. That's Peter Fullardi. Uh He also wrote The Craft. Oh, let's and go. He hasn't written that many movies, but he did Flatliners in The Craft among them. And then. Oh, the re- cool, man. I'm yeah. a, I'm a Polardi fan. Fullardi with an F. I'm a Fullardi fan. I'm a. I love the Fullardi boys and all of the detective work they do. Nice. Um, and Ben Ripley, who wrote the remake, uh, wrote Species 3, which we could put on the list. Um, and also Source Code, which is a movie I actually watched in a film class. Oh, you like that one? Uh, I remember it being pretty interesting. Uh, it's about Jake Gyllenhaal, like, caught in, like, a Groundhog Day-esque time loop trying to stop, I believe, some kind of, like, terrorist attack. And he keeps on having to try to, like, retry it with new tactics to see if he can crack the thing. But obviously there's a little more to it than that. Ooh. Um, but I remember liking it well enough, yeah. I, I would love nice. to... I wish I could remember why we watched it, but... Uh, Your teacher is just a, a Spipley fan. Spipley? You know, the writer. Ripley. Your teacher is just a Ripley fan. You're, you and last names are not great today. <laughs> Tom Elkins edited this movie. He has done a lot of stuff we could do on this show. Um, white, Love those people. White Noise, The Light. You know what? If that is not the second movie and there's more white noise <laughs> movies, then we'll have a second white noise movie on our list. <laughs> I know. Uh, Inferno, which is the follow-up to that uh, fucking Da Vinci Code movie. Yeah, it's a Tom Hanks movie, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, the Haunting in Connecticut 2. The remake of Child's Play. The remake of Wrong Turn. And also the first Annabelle movie. <laughs> We got we got some of those on our list already, and some got to be added. I I love it. We got to get that guy on the podcast. Yeah, uh, cinematography is Eric Cress, who also did the girl with the dragon tattoo, and also Taken Three. If we want to hear from Eric again, um, music is by Nathan Barr. Liam, does that name ring a bell? Mm, you know what? I'm gonna say no. Cabin Fever. Hey, he did the music for it. Cabin Fever One. There's two composer credits. He's the other one. Cool. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bar fan. And uh, he also works on The Great, uh, which is that TV show with um, Elle Fanning about Catherine the Great. Uh, the Americans. Uh, and importantly for us, he also did From Dusk Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter, and Hostel Part 2. Man, how is it we've been doing this show <laughs> for, for so long. almost two years, and I'm still learning about sequels that I don't know of. I From Dusk Till Dawn 2 is on our list. I had no idea there was a third one. And White Noise the Light? What is going on? Yeah, I don't know. We're ne- we, we could do this. We could do this podcast until we flatlined for real. And we could put out an episode every day. Did, that's the only. That's the only explanation. Did these movies come out yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a psyop by big movie? Oh my gosh! Big sequel. Um, yeah, man, it's it's endless. So we have a lot of work ahead of us. Our work is cut out for us. Uh, but our first step in that path is to talk about the cast of this movie. Our lead. It's kind of an ensemble piece, but I'm willing to say our lead is Elliot Page who is playing Courtney. Uh, then we have Diego Luna, Nina Dobrev, James Norton, Kersey Clemens, Kiefer Sutherland, Bo Mershoff, Madison Bridges, Miguel Anthony, Jenny Raven, Charlotte McKinney, Wendy Raquel Robinson, Steve Byers, Janet Porter, and Jeremiah Surd. But realistically, our main concerns are um, those first few names. They're like the core friend group i guess that we are dealing with throughout the movie sounds good I'm all ready. right there you I'm go ready i to guess, talk about them i guess we don't need that much follow-up any actors in there uh that you are a particularly big fan of that's a question i feel like we don't ask a lot 
Uh, you know what? Um, I'm looking the no- names over. I thought I recognized James Norton. That dude has a face dude, where I was like, same. I must have seen this guy in up. something. I looked yeah. him up and I'm like, I haven't seen him in fucking anything. But he shows up and I'm like, oh, that guy's all over the place. Yes, exact I, same for who, me. Who does he look like? I don't know. I think he's just a dude. Like he just has a. He, he just, just looks, looks like, like a, a guy. Handsome white guy. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at his filmography right now. I've seen him in nothing. So <laughs> good, uh, for, good for James Norton. Honestly, go off. Nina Dobrev, same thing. Though I haven't checked out her page. Vampire Diaries. I think. I haven't seen that guy. Might have just seen her like on a poster. Oh no! You know what? I've seen a movie called The Final Girls. I was about to in. ask. There's no way you have not seen a movie called The Final Girls. Oh, and actually, oh my gosh, Corey, I am also a a, a Stobriv fan. Listen to this: uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. She's yeah. in. I like that one. And The Roommate from 2011. That is a, that is like a, a, a direct-to-video 90s horror movie that got saved over and then released in 2011. Not literally, but that's how it feels. That's a that's right. a classic. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah, well, there you go. Okay, so we got that covered. Um, um, I, I like Elliot Page, of course. Juno, Hard Candy. Um, those are the two big ones that stick out to me. Yeah. Um, I thought I had seen a Kersey Clemens and some stuff. She looked familiar to me. Um, in actuality, I don't think that is true either. Scoob, baby, Scoob. I wouldn't know she's in that by looking <laughs> at her. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess you literally mean seen her in something. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I've seen her in some stuff. I've seen her in Dope. That's a really cool coming-of-age teen movie. Uh, Neighbors 2, which I guess could be on our podcast list. And uh, she was also in a cool music movie with Nick Offerman called Hearts Beat Loud, where she like makes music with her dad. It's a cute little movie, so... Uh, yeah, she's cool. I like her. And obviously, I think everybody knows who Diego Luna is at this point because he did the Star War. Oh, okay. I did not know that. He's in Rogue One. Um, mm, is but, he a big character in there? Yeah, he's like one of the leads. He's getting like a Disney Plus TV show about the guy that he was. Wow. You know what I love him in is uh, Etu Mama Tambien. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Fuck yeah. Corey and I watched that in a film class together in university. That movie's so good. That movie is a ten out of ten to, to me. I, I love that movie, and I, I didn't I didn't recognize him, um, though I like I liked his face, and I was like this uh, in Flatliners. I was like this dude. I feel comfortable with him, and then I realized that he was in that movie, uh, you know, twenty years beforehand, and um, I was I was very pleased. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've got a good handle on that. Um, we kind of already talked about the plot. The plot's not much more specific than what Liam already said. Group of medical students, um, who it's worth noting have all gone through, uh, I guess various traumas and also done various shitty things to people, uh, that will come up as very important later. And, uh, one by one, they sort of get hooked on this thing where they're like, uh, it's initially sort of implied to the group to be about like trying to come up with like a cool medical discovery think of what that could do for them but uh trying to see what happens to your brain after you die uh so they start getting in this big science machine stopping their hearts and then restarting them and trying to sort of like report on that but it's got a spooky consequences because they start seeing sort of like hallucinating stuff that isn't there um based on like stuff that they feel guilty about having done to other people so they're sort of it's a very literal return of the repressed here um they're being haunted by their past mistakes and then they discover that essentially they need to um sort of atone for the what they did to those people uh to sort of be free from these uh hallucinations that they're having so you liam watched the original ahead of this right Yep, yeah, I watched it first. and uh, But, like, same sitting, I mean. Like, it was all for this. Oh, yeah, yeah, big double feature. It was just, you know, four hours of my morning. So how did you feel about the original? Because I, I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. All I've seen is the poster. Sure, yeah, I really, really liked the original. Really liked it. I was I was surprised at how much I liked it. Um, uh, I feel like that's setting yourself up for failure on this show, watching the original and really liking it, and then instantly watching a remake. <laughs> like you're asking for trouble doing it that way 
it's fair, you know, but sometimes it, it pays off, you know, we could have a Black Christmas OG, Black Christmas remake, you know, you watch those in pretty close proximity, had some fun. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. It it, it has a, a good, really good cast. You get Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, William Baldwin, uh, who I don't really know, but everyone's hey, favorite Baldwin, recognizable uh almost recognizable face <laughs> and um He's julia roberts because you think it might be alec baldwin <laughs> yeah. and julia roberts in it so it's it's when you just see these people all acting alongside each other there's like a weight to them and they also have really good chemistry in the movie um i hope so they're doctors <laughs> nice <laughs> Thanks. um it has a really cool gothic feel to it the the location where they do all these flatlining procedures is really dark and open and there's a lot of um there are like murals on the wall like old old paintings on the wall a lot of rain a lot of nighttime scenes um so that that is just a, it's just a fun watch in that regard it feels unique and then the premise is just so good and i felt like the original movie had a had um a really interesting take on it it teases you you know you don't know exactly what's going on for a lot of the movie um and i really loved the the tension that was built around this flatlining procedure the way that every time someone goes under it feels a bit different the characters are um at a different place in the movie you know they're arguing about different things there's a there's a really cool recurring uh bit in the movie where um eventually whenever someone wants to be the next one to go under because they're realizing the benefits of it they're realizing that maybe uh the first guy to do it isn't lying about what he saw they want to be the next person to go they start bidding between each other saying you know i'll go i'll go under for a minute and a half well I'll, I'll go under for a minute and 45 and eventually you know someone says something that the other person isn't comfortable topping and they go under and then um they realize that once they come back they're starting to be haunted and so there's tension among the group in that way because the lead character didn't reveal that so it's it's a lot of the same beats that are in this movie um uh but i i, I like all those ideas and the the near death uh, sequences where you get um, uh, flashbacks to these characters past but in a, in a sort of dream state I, I really like how the movie doesn't make it clear what you're seeing immediately and uh, it gets revealed gradually as the movie goes on um, there's some really cool talk in there about uh, atheism because Kevin Bacon's character is an atheist and and he doesn't believe it but then eventually he goes under and uh you know he's got a, a interesting reaction and to he it fights god <laughs> um <laughs> that movie's uh, notable for its 20 minute sequence where Kevin Bacon dies and fights god <laughs> entirely unrelated to the plot <laughs> that's why it's such a long movie it's gonna be an hour and a half and then added the other 20 minutes in there um yeah it was just it was a really cozy movie uh just in terms of visuals and then it was also really thought-provoking i i like the i like the scenes that it had about um reflecting upon your mistakes and trying to atone for them as well um it it it, it felt like both the director and the scriptwriter were on the same page and they they knew what they wanted to explore and you know it's it, it does have quite a bit of corny lines in it with corny deliveries and uh, i think the ending is a bit unsatisfying and unclear uh but overall i i really i really liked it and i'll definitely watch it again at some point that's great that's 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 a really uh I think a solid pitch for anybody who um, might want to watch a movie called Flatliners and they're trying to decide which one it is. Um, you've made a case for uh, the original. And uh, so now I'm curious, um, how did you feel about the remake? Well, how do you think I felt, Corey, based on everything I just said about why I liked the original? Having seen the remake, what do you think? I think you tend to be a little bit more 
forgiving toward a lot of the movies that we watch generally. So I'm going to guess it's something along the lines of you think this remake had a couple interesting ideas on how to differentiate itself here and there from the original but overall it probably didn't execute most of it well enough to be better than the original as far as you're concerned that's like my general assumption cool yeah those are some those are some positive that's a positive take uh that's a bright side take that i hope you have so we can get some positivity on this episode because i (laughs) thought this movie was utter utter shit oh my gosh i was (laughs) right after i I say you're usually more forgiving (laughs) Yeah, I gotta. gotta and this do. is we, the most aggressive you've been in a while. <laughs> we love a heel turn. <laughs> we really do. Um, no, man, I was I was really upset uh, at the way this turned out. It just it just reeks to me of like studio interference of of too many too many heads coming together and they all uh, have a different idea and so they. You know, no one wins out, and just there's all this stuff in the movie. It doesn't feel like the director had a voice to me. Um, I I think this this just it, it feels like a a modern day remake that is so uh, just so concerned with doing a movie again. It has a cool premise, and so we're gonna do this movie again because it it made money the first time around. We're gonna have a hot cast in it, um, and then we're, and they we're, do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but the the script and the directing just isn't there to make the premise interesting at all. And in fact, I think it's it's so disappointing. If if this was an original movie, I would be so much more upset because because it's with such, a good idea. That's exactly it. It's such a good it's such a good premise um, that gets whiffed so quickly in this movie as well. Like it became clear to me that this movie is moving way too fast, and um, I would really have to like dig to discover that this idea is actually cool. And I would be like, man, I hope that movie gets remade in twenty years so that we can get a much better version of it. So the fact that the original exists is r- cool because it's like, oh man, at least we have a a, a good telling of this of this premise of this story but because the original came first i'm just so baffled as to why this came out the way it did you know it's it's so upsetting um this movie should have at least been more interesting than it is i, I don't have to say better <laughs> than it is because we know so many remakes don't hold up to the original um the original existing does not often mean that the remake takes advice from that does a lot of deep reflection and makes a better movie so that i'm not expecting the world here but the fact that the original exists at least should give some sort of idea of how to tell this story in an interesting way and with that in mind we can we can tweak it in order to uh in order to make it a bit different but the tweaks here just make the movie so run-of-the-mill like 2017 horror movie it feels 2017 it is like i was watching this it felt like i was watching rings from 2017 it felt like i was watching the bye-bye man from 2017 and it's very like dull like visually dull and it's it's i feel like it shouldn't be because you're you could do anything absolutely when they're under you could do anything you want and it's just like brown and dark or very clinical because they're in a hospital and like got like a white sheen and those are the only two oh, modes in which the movie operates that's right i hate the white sheen in the hospital um it, yeah because it looks like every other hospital set movie and then um i think they rush through with the most interesting part of the movie which is the the character's talking to each other and discovering this flatlining thing and sort of wrestling with the idea of should we shouldn't we i think this movie totally rushes through that the the ethical quandary of what is it even because that whole argument happens while elliot page is prepping to do it like yes and they're just like okay i guess we'll do it then yeah and stop courtney from doing it so and the idea uh, of just doing it in general, you know, when when uh, Courtney brings it up, it's it, it comes really out of nowhere. Um, 
and then they rush through it. You know, your second person, uh, James, is flatlining, or Jamie rather, is flatlining so so quickly, and then they're just moving through it, and then so really quickly, you just get to a standard, painfully standard, glitzy horror movie full of jump scares. Honestly, and- I think glitzy is even a compliment. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Honestly, fair enough. You just you get to a standard horror movie fair where it's just like jumps from scene to scene. You get a character dealing with something scary, trying to escape it. Scary. Um, and then, yeah, right, ostensibly. Um, and then you move on. Um, and I was just I was really disappointed. Um, and the fact that Kiefer Sutherland is in this movie is <laughs> also time, just so so disappointing to me like on the in the in a conceptual level like it's cool that he's in this movie and when i saw him i thought okay this this is also this is a cool really cool premise in order to make this movie uh flatliners for a new generation but also (laughs) not have the first one be meaningless and i don't mean meaningless from a story perspective they could have remade this movie and totally ignored everything that came before not had Kiefer sutherland in it that's okay but um uh i'd still want the filmmakers to like take advice you know take implicit advice from that first movie and um and having Kiefer sutherland in it i was thinking oh, okay this is going to go in the direction where Kiefer sutherland's character is going to present the idea of flatlining to them because in the original Kiefer sutherland is because the mastermind why, why behind bring him it. back if that's not the bit you're doing <laughs> Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland is the mastermind in that first one, and so I thought, okay, thirty years later, he for some reason he he wants to do this again, and he's going to get people who are younger and more fit to do it because oh, now I see. he's older, like a, like a soft reboot situation. Yeah, that's what I figured, and then the movie really quickly introduces flatlining through Courtney. Uh, she comes up with it all by herself, and. Um, I was like, okay, that's that's sort of weird. That's coincidental. I mean, okay, this the character from the first movie is now a teacher at this school where people just happen to also so have come d- up. You did think it was the same character? Initially, I did. Yes. Okay. Initially, I did. And so I was thinking, okay, so I guess th- this is just really common in med schools. What, like at once every graduating class, some group decides oh, to do this? Liam, because you're, Liam, you're fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a deleted scene, and he changed his name. But you're fucking right. Exactly. Ex- yes, I read Why about do that. that. If you're not gonna do it, I like, know. If, even if there's one deleted scene, like who fucking cares? Like that's not enough. Also, obviously, I agree with everything you've said up to this point. I think I've made that clear. We're in it. Like, yeah, this yeah. movie's not great. Um, but yeah, if you're and so do that. Uh... Don't do it in a single scene. You could ostensibly remove. <laughs> and it, it, it just feels so wasteful to me, so distracting. Okay, so if you're looking at it from the perspective of a remake, bringing back an original actor as a cameo, not playing the same part, that's done a lot too, and that is fine. But they have Kiefer Sutherland in what appears to be a significant role at the beginning of this movie, and then he shows up again in the middle. So I'm thinking, okay, he's back. You're seeing him about as much as you would see a teacher character who is going to end up being involved in a main ensemble. You know, it feels pretty standard. And so to end up not doing anything with him just feels like such a distraction, so unnecessary. And again, it just feels like another sign of this whole production team not knowing what they wanted to do and kind of if they if they were holding like a whole bunch of limes in their hand, that is the different <laughs> elements of this movie. They end up just dropping them. Everywhere. What am I going to do with all, the all these limes? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I don't. I don't even have a lot to say. Like, I feel like we came on on two kind of different sides here. Like, you're upset and have a lot to say. I'm upset and don't really have anything to say. Um. The <laughs> the biggest thing I want to single out though is this. There's two problems I have with the way our like core friend group here is being treated. Um, one is they don't feel like a friend group. Yes. There's not a ton of, I think individually some of the actors are doing interesting things or I find them likable, but they don't feel like a cohesive group that hangs out and spends time together at all. So 
I absolutely felt that as well. At the end of the movie, you get this really cheesy, uh, not only voiceover, uh, but the voiceover is played over a scene where the the remaining friends, um, because Elliot Page's <laughs> character gets killed halfway through the movie. We'll talk about that. Even though um, you think that his character would be the protagonist, and then they're not, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you get the remaining friend group having a drink at this restaurant and talking about, you know, how they're they're still together and they're changed forever, but they still have each other. And I'm like, what is going on? I got the impression from the first half hour of this movie that these people were just acquaintances who came together to do this, uh, do this procedure. And then through the the middle of the film you don't get them working through it together you don't get that that ethical dilemma that i talked about from the original that i wanted to see you don't get them talking that way you get them split up and experiencing horror totally by themselves and, and those horror sequences are extremely nightmare on elm street 2010 <laughs> mm, yeah very that yeah 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 <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just it's stuff that it's like you get someone in a location where there's they're specifically in that location for something creepy to happen. Something creepy happens, and then uh, but then they're okay, or or they're they're threatened to not be okay, and then they are okay. And in one pivotal case, they're threatened to not be okay, and then and they aren't not. okay, which is when Courtney um, drops off a fire escape because. Uh, because a hallucination pushed them yeah and that's <laughs> it sounds it sounds silly um and it kind of is but i like the idea of these hallucinations are not quite hallucinations they're they've like opened the gate for something from the other side to to come into the living world and these things can now affect them we see it again when um Jamie gets stabbed through the hand um and we see it also explicitly when um I need a name here Jamie. when Marlo when Marlo uh Nina Dobrev's character worth saying I don't know a <laughs> single person with that name <laughs> when Marlo is is driving her car and um uh, a man puts a plastic bag over her face from the back seat and then we get these uh, these quick flashes of a shot where she has a plastic bag over her face, but no one is in the back seat. So it's this idea of uh, this thing is not is is not actually present. It's like a ghosty, but also it's able to influence and, and impact uh, the the real living world. I think that's cool, but I don't think this movie does enough with that. Like I think that shot where we explicitly learn that with Marlo's character comes way too late. Um, and back to Courtney's character, um, she's pushed off by uh, the the her little sister who died in a car crash that she was responsible. And um, she dies. Courtney dies after being pushed off a fire escape. And then she's just dead. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I thought, okay, I thought it was cool for a second because I wasn't expecting it. Wow. They killed off. They killed off the Kiefer Sutherland, you know, surrogate um, halfway through the movie. Our, our main character who, who, who conceived of this flatlining idea. Where is this going to lead are, is now every character going to encounter encounter Courtney on the other side when they flatline because um, now she is in like the death realm and she's going to blame them for her death or, but it's, it's nothing yeah, like that. She, no. it, it, it feels as if Elliot page either quit the production. You know, you get those <laughs> stories of, of an, of an actor. Elliot, Elliot page just goes to like the studio and he's like, I'm done. Sorry. Honestly, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I have to leave. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, we'll well, we'll pay you this amount weird, and though, you do this death scene. Because Elliot Page and I feel like um I feel like every actor individually is trying really hard and individually I mostly like them. Um in the performances that they're giving and that they feel like people um as a group they don't coalesce, but I I like individual things going on. I think in particular um Elliot Page and Diego Luna are the two standouts. And even within that, I think Diego Luna is very much the standout here. Yes, I thought um, the same thing. 
But like to watch these people try that hard and it go nowhere is really, really frustrating. And my other big frustration is that so this movie seems to really want to make a point about like um, the healing power of like forgiveness and also owning up to your own past mistakes and um, uh, missteps and how you've hurt people and like atone for that. But the movie doesn't seem interested. None of these characters that demand that forgiveness do anything to deserve it. And it's entirely fucking self-interested. And they are actively re-traumatizing the people that they are seeking out just to feel better about themselves. And it's complete fucking horseshit. Like, every single one of these people, except for fucking Kersey Clemens, who just has to stand up to her mom. Like, what has Jamie as a character done other than realize that maybe abandoning his high school girlfriend or whoever it was to... uh? go to an abortion appointment by herself that she backs out of and now that he is a son suddenly gives him this fucking sense of responsibility and he says he's going to be involved fuck you you haven't done fucking anything to deserve any sort of meaningful like positive results for your actions are you fucking kidding me like neither did um fucking uh marlo who is just like no you fucking killed a guy like because and then you didn't do anything about it because you were worried about getting in trouble. Yeah. You're you someone died, man. Like these are very significant repercussions and then oh, the thing I actually glossed over with the Kirsty Clemens thing. I kind of forgot about this part even though it's one of the most egregious. Yes, that's what I was I was going to ask you about. I, I, I kind of tunnel visioned for a second. Hers is actually the worst. Yeah. Because so in high school, she was jealous that there was another smart girl in her class. So she hacked into her stuff or otherwise stole it and spread her her nudes out to her entire high school effectively ruining that teenager's life uh and also uh according to the wikipedia because i didn't catch this in the movie uh stealing valedictorian from her and sort of propping herself up for better results it's implied that that mindset comes in part from her mother but either way hey Sophia, guess what you should absolutely never do, especially because you're only feeling guilt about this because you fucking flatlined and brought some weird cosmic horror upon yourself, is track down someone as an adult at their job and demand they forgive you for your ruining their life. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? And, you know, it's frustrating, too, because the actors individually really feel like they believe what they're doing but when the movies focus on what are these characters learning and getting out of the experience of doing this is oh they're just doing a bunch more shitty things to people to make themselves feel good it makes them all imminently hateable it's unbelievable that that's what this movie is about yes and the fact that the 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 movie seems to miss that you know that the movie is pushing this idea of they're doing the right thing like like we should feel good that they've decided to do this they haven't fucking done anything yeah the the most like you said the most egregious one is absolutely kiersey clemens character sophia um talking to this this woman whose whose life she ruined tracking her her down just living her fucking life and and okay the way that that scene is like written and staged confused me so much okay so so sophia kirstie clemens character she goes up to this this girl and uh and she says that you know i i'm the one who who spread your naked photos um i need you to forgive me and and the girl says uh like that's not that's not necessary i've moved on and and i'm like okay shit that's, that's that should be that's enough good answer fair enough <laughs> i'm glad what that does that... sophia do Oh my god, she so grovels and demands it. Ugh. Yeah. It well and it happens so quickly. Like it's not even they they didn't even put the work in to make me believe that. So the girl says I've moved on and she turns and walks away. She walks halfway up a staircase and um <sighs> and Sophia I don't even remember what she says, but it could be like a word or two, maybe a sentence. Yeah, she asked um, her to wait and she's like please like just Yes, yeah, that's it. That's please. it. It's super super quick. And then the girl stops halfway up the staircase, turns around. I think she's about to give it to Sophia and then she says she I forget and then she says I forgive you and Sophia is like 
thank you. And she's ma- Sophia has made it so clear that she just needs to hear it in order yeah, to absolve herself. The only reason any herself. of these people are doing this is because they fucked up. Not to those individual people, but to themselves by flatlining. That's the only reason they're doing any of that is because they've got themselves in a shitty situation that they have to now deal with instead of the people they've already hurt. And they expect it to just be fine. It, it's and inexcusable. It's, and it's, it's completely inexcusable. And it's another case of having seen the original. This confuses me so much because... Um, it's really put into perspective for me why remakes irritate me when they do, because the idea of a remake does not bother me. Um, But stuff like this upsets me when we've seen a thing done and we know why it works. It's, it's done in a unique way. And then, um, and I'll, and I'll tell you what that unique way is in a second. And then the remake seems to totally miss the point and does the exact opposite thing in a way that um that makes like it it just totally totally misses the point so it, it's in in the original flatliners we get we get an apology we just get one apology it doesn't really overdo it i, th- I feel like this remake has a very clear format where it's first act is we we flatline really quickly second act is horror stuff third act is these apologies and um the original i think is is much more fluid that stuff happens in different acts and um so we get we get one apology and it's kevin bacon's character and he bullied um uh, a young black girl in his school with with a bunch of other kids um and he he feels terrible about it and that's who he is seeing in his uh did he at least already feel terrible about it before um, doing this or did this make him feel terrible about it that the movie doesn't make clear okay, fair enough um uh but yeah so so this girl is now um appearing in his in his uh in his hallucinations or whatever you want to call them. And so he, he uh, learns where she lives by calling her, her mom and, uh, and saying that he went to school with her. He wants to talk to her. Um, Could he have her address? And he shows up at her house um, and talks to her for a bit. And then, and then he, he brings up what they did to her. And she says, Oh, I I don't even remember that. It was so long ago, you know? And he said, he says, I just want to apologize it was terrible and um and she says uh you know i've i have a life now i have kids it's you know it's whatever and um and he goes to leave and she calls out to him as he's at the doorway and she she says his name and he and he turns around um and she says thank you and he says are you sure and she nods and then he says thanks and he leaves and i thought that scene was written and performed so well. I think that contains so many subtleties that that's she says to him, thank you. And he says, are you sure? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, he immediately heard what he needs to hear and he's, and he's stoked. Um, And then he, he thanks her for being able to forgive him. I thought that was, that's like, I've never seen a scene done like that in in a movie. And the fact that they're taking the step to make clear that, it was a conscious choice for both of them to reach like a kind of understanding. Whereas this movie is falling over itself to get it over with. Yes. Um, And it just, it takes all the punch out of it doubly. So because I think prompting your audience or provoking your audience to sort of like get a little bit uncomfortably retrospective and think, huh, have I done some mean shit like this to people in my life and sort of contemplate like how we go about, our day to day and whether or not there's there's people that maybe deserve apologies is kind of a poignant thing to maybe present your audience with especially in a pg-13 horror movie but um this remake takes all the weight out of those interactions um by basically just absolving each individual protagonist so we can move on to the next fucking plot point um and it doesn't take any care in the significance of the incidents that it's presenting to us um and that's because it becomes such a focal point of the movie that's really frustrating um and it's tough too because this is like a movie where you could think well maybe if none of this is really landing like could it be elevated by the filmmaking craft uh and the short answer is no it's like we <laughs> it, said earlier, it could be but it's not it's not, <laughs> but it's not. 
music is I, I already forget it um like we said a lot of it, it a lot of it takes place at night so i get it but like it's it's dark um it's it's bland it's brown um or it's just hospital settings and it's just very it's very boring to look at um yeah i'm what about the the flatlining experiences what do you think about those when we get to see what they're seeing i barely remember them honestly (laughs) they did not leave an impression (laughs) yes i i thought that they were shot in such a such a standard like dream sequence otherworldly way like it felt like i was watching a screensaver of just like okay just like bright beautiful imagery a lot of the time um and it, the intent of them really confused me our first flatlining sequence we have courtney going under and um she just has an out of body experience and that is it whereas hers is very toned down comparatively yeah yeah where and and then whereas when the other people go under um we learned that they're encountering something from their past that is uh um weighing on them and we don't get that from courtney's sequence but then she still gets haunted by uh her sister's death which we already know about because that's how the movie opens so why wouldn't some sort of indication of that be in her uh her near-death experience because it would make sense to us as viewers and even if it doesn't make sense that's really interesting when we see something in the near-death experience that that doesn't we don't know what it is and the movie eventually reveals it to us that's what the original does where Kiefer Sutherland goes under for the first time and um, we see him and a bunch of other boys running in a field and there's a dog and there's a kid in a red hoodie and then um, and then he gets out of it we eventually learn that in that field and with that dog they were chasing um a kid to 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 torment him and they send him up a tree and eventually that kid and that dog uh bad shit happens to him and that's what he's being haunted by and it's that that boy in the red hoodie that uh, and that dog that is now haunting him in the real world and so this movie just seems so so confused about what those near-death experiences are supposed to mean and also like you said Corey, that's your chance as a filmmaker to shoot something however you want it could be yeah you know i I think there's a line there when how with how you present the rest of your movie it can't be too big a departure else it gets a little silly or like tonally inconsistent but like try something like yeah um yeah i don't know uh Something I find really interesting. It's basically my last thought on the matter. So I'll I'll throw to you if you have anything else. Um, because otherwise I think we'll just we could just rip into it with increasing levels of specificity forever. And I also think it's funny how uh, we start this podcast by saying how movies stand up all on its own, and we are just annihilating this movie for you not thinking it's as good as the first one, which I think is fun. But uh, the Wikipedia poster, or the poster that's on Wikipedia, I should say, it wasn't made for it. Um. I really like because it's basically selling you on a completely different movie um, and it's really kind of campy looking and I think it's great. Um, Super blue uh, and it's got uh, Diego Luna, Elliot Page and uh, Nina Dobrev and just like their eyes are closed. I don't know why Diego Luna is on the poster because he never flatlines. So I don't know why he's on the poster but uh, but they're like they have laid over them and like sort of like glitchy ghosty look like screaming faces. And it looks really silly, and I love it a lot. Yes, I really like the poster, too. And uh, I really liked the trailer when yeah, it came out. Really I, selling, I watched selling a very different movie. Yes, and I watched the trailer again, and having seen the movie, maybe I was just able to uh, plug the surrounding content into the scenes that were are shown briefly into the trailer and the trailer did not impress me but i know it did when i saw it in the theater and so the marketing was there to get people in the seats um but uh unfortunately that's all it had going for it i think what really disappoints me about this movie is that um you know it I don't, I don't want it to come across like it's just I'm, I'm upset this isn't as good as the original. What I'm just really upset about is that the movie is so bad and the original exists to help it and it doesn't take that help. You know, I 
if if I had seen this not having seen the original, I am certain I would think it's just as bad as I do now. I just wouldn't be able to articulate all these points about specifically like how they dropped the ball you know because the the movie as 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 a standalone it's just a standard less than standard horror movie you've seen a bunch of times before it does so little with the premise because the flatlining is totally zipped through in the first 30 minutes so i wouldn't even remember this movie as hey this is a movie where people stop their hearts and then see some crazy shit and then that influences them in the real world because that ends up not being uh, a significant portion of the movie a significant portion is just ghosty stuff that feels like you've seen it in a bunch of other different movies and then uh, there's no emotional weight that i remember from this movie because the friends do not feel right together we don't get um any any sort of scenes that make them feel close um i just i was disappointed all the way around this is yeah i I would say this is one of the worst things i've seen on the podcast that's where i'm coming down on it yeah um i wouldn't go that far because i don't know if i have the attachment to the first one but it's certainly one of the most i think profound whiff like whiffing of opportunities that i think we've seen yeah big uh Big Blair Witch 2 energy. And at least Blair Witch 2 is bat- went shit for enough. it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, this movie doesn't swing hard enough, if nothing else. Uh, do you want to get this bad taste out of our mouth by going to the William Castle film genre? Let's give it a shot, yeah. Let's how try. Many, how many movies we got in that bad boy now? All right, so taking off Flatliners, of course. would hate to roll that one again. <laughs> um, we got 289. Okay, so a little bit longer. Just a couple more. So uh, are, you all, are you ready to rumble here? Let's see what we're doing. I'm ready, man. Three, two, one, spin. Whew, early one. 53. All right. Uh, so I'm going to say what we just missed Yes. in rolling 53. So number 52 would have been Return of the Living Dead 2. Okay. That's fun. Cool. Maybe, maybe another time. Some other time. And 54, we have The Descent 2. Okay, so we were probably... I'm, I'm going to guess we're watching a horror movie just based on what's on either side of it. Good guess. Uh, I'm not sure how true it is. We'll see. <laughs> we are doing next week The Predator oh. from 2018. Oh. Okay. I have this distinct feeling in the pit of my stomach that we're about to get flatliners. <laughs> we're about to get flatlined again. I don't know, it's, man. It's I don't same, know. It's the same period. It's 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 a it's a similar like revival kind of thing. Uh, okay, well, let's see I've what happens. Hope. I've got hope. Somebody has to. I'm not. I'm not deeply familiar with the Predator. Although I do own Predator on VHS. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's on one of my shelves. What really? You got a VHS tape in your room? Do you have a player? No, I actually have s- four VHS tapes in here. I have. Predator, Fargo, Rear Window, and Carlito's Way. Man, where did those come from? That's so I, interesting. I bought them at a thrift store one time just because I thought they were they like they look fun. And I'm sure I would like to get a, a VCR and like a CRT just to watch them correctly at some point. I think that would be fun to have. I have nowhere to put any of that in this room, but it would be neat. Yeah, you know, I uh, how cool I would just... it be to watch Predator on VHS before doing this like update? Oh, that would be so cool. You know what? <laughs> I I just posted um. Uh, a request for a VCR player on a neighborhood buy nothing group um, to see if anyone had one that they were trying to get rid of because I love watching movies on VHS um, and I uh, I have a lot of VHS that I would love to check out um, again in that way like Blair Witch Project on VHS is just amazing um, and so I'm looking for one right now I didn't get any bites but if I do, Corey, in the next week, I will drop a... I guess you need a t- You would need a specific TV for it? I don't think you saying? need a specific one. I think it would just be... It would be better on like, right. the right kind of... Uh... Well, hey, if, if I get this VCR player uh, this week, I'll drop it off at your house so you can watch Predator on VHS tape and then report back. But I'm, that's that's awesome that you have those tapes. I, I love that stuff. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so I guess we will go brace ourselves for the potentials of the Predator. Um, 
And in the meantime, I would like to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com. Recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what you're worried you would see if you flatlined. Our fan, yeah, get real deep with us. Oh man, that? that's gonna be. <laughs> it's time, everybody. We've known you for almost two years. Let's go. Time to really, you know, cut our hearts wide open here. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. Uh, you can also find MK Podquest, another podcast I do uh, with our friend Neil. We just recorded the finale for uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest, which is the TV show that we're rewatching over there. We will be moving on to some new stuff shortly, but now is a good time to catch up if you want to be ready in time for the end. Uh, which I think should be out around when this is also out, um, which is pretty exciting. So you can find us MK Podquest everywhere you go on the internet. Uh, and with that out of the way, we'll catch you here next time with the Predator for more. They made another one. <laughs>